Nice to have you with us today, Ralph Nader. Thank you very much, Gary. Nice um, to be with you. Let me begin by sharing a few of the areas that I would have hoped he would have gone into that are also pressing. And then once I just, I'm only going to give the title of these, take any of these that you wish, and then give us your perspective on them, please. Sure. I would have liked to have seen President Obama to have made a stand to reinstate the Glass-Steagall Act, to ban commodity tradings that are essential to life, such as food, land, water, and currencies, to stop all of the credit default swaps and derivatives, unless a person has the money to pay for them at face value, to stop the Federal Reserve from giving any more of these no-interest bailout loans to corporations, hedge funds, and governments, but none to the American people, to declare a moratorium on home foreclosures, to create a national food program that would address the hunger needs of 16 million children, 12 million of whom are suffering from acute food shortages, to address how he would see the deghettoization of America and to start programs in the ghetto areas that would help the people and to resuscitate the entire community, to create proper reforestation programs, employing youth much as FDR did with the Civil Conservation Corps, to look at our infrastructure, not by giving major contracts to big corporations that are politically connected, but really look at what we need to hire skilled people in local communities to create better health, uh, safer levees, waterways, gas mains, water mains, bridges, and tunnels, to forgive all late fees on student loans and to cap the interest rate at 1% on student loans, to do the same for credit loans, to repeal laws that prevent student loan holders from declaring bankruptcy, to support senior citizens and others who need health care but are denied it, even under the existing system, where we can then sponsor community-based nonprofit hospitals and medical care in the United States. And very important to look about closing and decommissioning our nuclear plants and shifting towards geothermal, which we have over 30,000 springs, solar and wind energy. Also to ban all fundings other than government funding of elections, take corporate money out of politics, to demilitarize our forces around the world, to cease gas, hydrofracking, and offshore drilling, to give a proper audit of the Defense Department, Homeland Security, the CIA, and reduce their budgets to what is actually necessary to protect America, to also to stop funding corporations like Bank of America that are too big to fail, but according to an organization I believe that you actually helped start, you were, you were behind Public Citizen, if I remember correctly, weren't you? Yes. Well, Public Citizen just came out with a statement to, uh, yesterday saying, Public Citizen to financial regulators, quote, Bank of America poses a grave threat to U.S. financial stability, should be broken up instead of bailed out. And finally, to open up the, um, to create a national health prevention program. Right now, the number one cause of death in the United States is not being addressed, like heart disease and cancers and diabetes. We are increasing. Not a word about how we can become healthier, the choices we need to make. And also to look at the way that the State Department has been used to force Monsanto's genetically engineered food into countries that don't want them, according to uh, WikiLeaks, uh, threatening countries that do not support Monsanto's genetic engineering. And 
I believe, having just completed a major film that will be out shortly, uh, looking at 30 years of what has happened to uh, vets that have not been helped, in fact, longer, going clear back to not acknowledging uh, Agent Orange and now not acknowledging uh, what they need to help them so they don't come back and end up committing suicide to really look after our vets. Those are, and also, why didn't he address our failed war on drugs that we shouldn't have, our war on poverty, the war on a terror, and what we're doing wrong? Those were my concerns that were not addressed. Would you add any you have and what you believe if you were the President of the United States, you would have, uh, you would have taken to the American public? The form is yours. Well, that sounds like the Gary Knowles State of the Union address. Pretty good, Gary. <laughs> uh, uh, I would uh, compare that with uh, Barack Obama, and it's like a towering uh, pillar compared to his rhetoric, which started out with militaristic rhetoric and ended with militaristic rhetoric, and he had the nerve to say, that the criminal wars of aggression that he extended uh, from Bush in Iraq and Afghanistan, where he sent American soldiers to, to kill and die, uh, and he says that th th their example is something we should emulate uh, domestically in our country. Well, we would like to emulate uh, examples under the rule of law, under obeying the Constitution, uh, under the advancement of peace, uh, safety, health. Uh, it's just amazing how this man is so awed by the uh, military armaments of his government that he spends far more time in the White House getting briefed and approving raids around the country, around the world, uh, than he does on the following preventable deaths in the United States, which he spent almost no time on. 58,000 workers die from workplace-related diseases and trauma every year in America. OSHA figures. 65,000 people die every year in America because of air pollution. EPA figures. 100,000 people die every year in America due to medical negligence in hospitals. Harvard School of Public Health study. 45,000 people die every year in America, 800 a week, because they cannot afford health insurance to get diagnosed and treated. Harvard School, Harvard Medical School study, peer-reviewed, printed in the December 2009 American Journal of Public Health, and over 5,000 Americans a year dying from contaminated food, both imported and domestic because we have a starved food inspection system in this country without enough inspectors and without enough prosecutors. Now just add those up and you can see that even not counting another 100,000 deaths in hospitals from hospital-induced infections, according to the Centers for Disease Control in Atlanta, if you add that, you're over 300-some thousand preventable deaths a year every year in the United States and not a mention not any attention he doesn't get briefed on that in the White House he gets briefed on what's going on in some valley in Afghanistan he gets briefed on how many drones 
are hovering above areas to strike at a moment's notice in some foreign country without respecting any national airspace of any country. Lawless behavior violating international law. But he doesn't get briefed, he doesn't ask for briefing on how to save all these American lives and many more injuries and illnesses that go along with these fatality figures that can be prevented. You mentioned the audit uh, of the uh, uh, Homeland Security and uh, CIA. The Pentagon budget is unauditable, according to the General uh, Accounting Office of the U.S. Congress, renamed the Government Accountability Office. These are the investigative accountants and auditors who rove around the executive branch departments and agencies. And every year, the uh, unit that uh, monitors the Pentagon budget declares it unauditable. When you have $800 billion of your tax money unauditable, you can imagine how much is wasted, how much is stolen, how much is duplicative, and how much is directed toward illegal objectives. So you should add the Department of Defense auditing. Let's take a look at what you believe are the most important issues that we, the public, should be demanding our legislators pay attention to. And also, as an aside, why do you believe that many of the people on MSNBC have not held Obama to the same standards of accountability on the evisceration of habeas corpus and that the, they did on, with Bush? The same reason that none of them have invited me on their show, not Rachel Maddow, not Oberman when he was there, haven't been on Chris Matthews for a long time. Um, they're Democrats. They are partisan, partisans of the Democratic Party, and they shield Obama from the kind of criticism that they rain on other politicians. Uh, and because they adhere to the view that uh, he's the least of the worst compared to the Republicans, and so they shield them in that manner from any kind of criticism. And, of course, they don't want people on their programs who might uh, utter such criticisms. Would you give us your insights on what you would say if you were debating President Obama about what he has promised but not done and must do in order to help America well, you listed some of the banking and finance reforms that he doesn't mention. I mean, restoring Glass-Steagall means preventing the kind of mixing of commercial banking and investment banking that led to the Wall Street crash in 2008-2009. And he can't even utter the words. I mean, this is hardly a dramatic, radical move. Franklin Donald Roosevelt put it in place in the 1930s, and it, it worked until Bill Clinton and Robert Rubin, uh, his secretary of the Treasury, before he went to run Citigroup and make a ton of money, um, repealed it in 1999. We opposed it. We testified against it. Uh, it didn't matter. Uh, and so it was off to the races for the speculators in Wall Street using other people's money, including your pension money, mutual fund money, other savings, and small investors and they looted and drained trillions of dollars uh, in that uh, collapse period uh, while they enriched themselves and sent their companies to Washington for a gigantic taxpayer bailout. So he's got it all wrong. He said he, 
he, he's going to establish a financial crimes unit in the Justice Department without asking for more budget for the prosecutors, by the way. And, um, you know, that that is needed. Uh, but going into the future, you've got to have structural change. You cannot have banks too big to fail, too big to be punished, uh, too big uh, to hold accountable in any way. And he has he did not in his speech, direct uh, the Justice Department to investigate the breakup of these banks, because after the crash, fewer giant banks controlled more of the nation's deposits. In other words, it was worse than before the crash. So we have five giant banks now that control over 65% of the deposits in this country. You know, Citibank, Bank of America, and uh, Wells Fargo and others. So he didn't do that at all. It was a speech that was replete with political cowardliness. Uh, I mean, he did criticize Wall Street in a general way, but at the same time he was doing that before the U.S. Congress the other night. Uh, posh restaurants in Manhattan were being rented out in order to raise money for Obama's political campaign by Wall Street uh, contributors. So, I mean, how how long does he think he can fool the people in this country with this kind of contradictory message? He has raised more money from Wall Street for his 2012 election than uh, Mitt Romney and Gingrich combined. And in 2008, he raised more from Wall Street uh, by far than John McCain raised. He set all kinds of records. And so these Wall Streeters, they listen to the speech, they hear the rhetoric, they say, well, he's got to do that in order to get votes, but uh, nothing's really going to change. Un until you expand enforcement budgets against corporate crime, fraud, and abuse, no matter what rhetoric there is, nothing's going to happen. There is a massive uh, street crime wave in uh, New York City, in every borough, and there's only 150 policemen in New York. People would say, well, we need more policemen on the streets. Well, you need more federal cops on the corporate crime beat. He didn't mention, for example, that uh, $250 billion is uh, lost every year because of uh, billing fraud and abuse in the healthcare industry. And that includes fraud on Medicare. That was a figure uh, from, again, the General Accounting Office in the early 90s. Ten cents out of every health care dollar is, way, is stolen that way. And you would think that would be raised. I mean, if he wants to save money, that's one way to save money. When he was talking about taxation, he should have not just talked about taxes on the wealthy. And they're not increasing taxes. They're restoring taxes on, on the wealthy. They don't even know how to use the right language against the Republicans. It's restoring the taxes, part of the tax that were assessed on the wealthier earlier in more prosperous times, I might add. But he, uh, he never focused enough on these giant corporations like Verizon, Honeywell, General Electric, who make billions of dollars and don't pay any federal income tax. And like General Electric, they actually get billions of dollars in benefits back from the Treasury. So crazy are the loopholes in the federal corporate income tax laws. There's three areas remaining, if you would address them. I think they're very important that we don't hear about at all. We have been led to believe that we have left Iraq um, uh, in an honorable way, that we have uh, 
restore democracy and freedom to the people of Iraq, and now they have their future ahead of them, all because of our sacrifices. Now, I've just interviewed over a thousand vets uh, over the last uh, 27 months, and these vets today, these were all homeless vets, by the way, 16,000 of them living in just one area uh, near Titusville, Florida, alone. And the only reason they're there is because, as one vet said, if I'm poor, I'd rather be poor and warm than poor and cold. Also, they have a man named Taylor there who himself was a homeless vet who is no longer homeless and represents their interest in trying to get them out of jail. Hard to imagine, but Ralph, I filmed and verified that a homeless vet sitting and reading a book in a veteran's park would get a ticket, and if they didn't move, would be arrested. And many of them are arrested for no other reason then they didn't have a driver's license uh, if they came from another state and he gets them out of jail, but they've committed no crime except that they're a poor vet. In any case, when I asked these vets, do you believe that what you went through in Iraq and Afghanistan, was it worth it? And to a person, they say, not when I realized that I was disposable afterwards. Now, this I'm going to quote from Human Rights Watch, an organization that I, I know you're very familiar with, but it was not in any of the major media as a commentary. Quote, Iraq, intensifying crackdown on free speech and protest, torture, secret prisons, attacks on demonstrators and journalists remain a reality in Iraq. And I'll quote just one paragraph. Iraq cracked down harshly during 2011 on freedom of expression and assembly by intimidating, beating, and detaining activist demonstrators and journalists, Human Rights Watch said today in their World Report. In February, Human Rights Watch uncovered a secret detention facility controlled by elite security forces who report to the military office of Prime Minister Maliki. The same elite divisions control Camp Honor, a separate facility in Baghdad which detains and tortures with impunity. Quote, Iraq is quickly slipping back into authoritarianism as it secretly forces abused, abused prisoners, protesters, harasses journalists, tortures detainees without reprimand. Despite U.S. government assurances that it helped create a stable democracy, the reality is it left behind a bubbling police state, end quote. Now, when we, if we were to take an honest look at what has happened in Iraq since 2003, depleted uranium affecting the environment, the effect upon their, the children's health, the effect upon their infrastructure, the shattering of the, 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 the electrical grids and everything else, and the human rights abuses, when we look back now, and we have 5,000 approximately dead uh, soldiers from Iraq and 44,000 injured, many who will be in uh, suffering for life because of the nature of their injuries, and yet the Republicans and Barack Obama and so many Democrats say it was worth it, it was the right place to be with the right efforts, and I'm thinking, and now it's reverted back into a police state, what exactly did we achieve, and shouldn't we be having an honest examination with independent progressive minds such as yourself and others to tell the American public the truth about our interventions around the world? Well, you've, done, you've put it very well. Um, there was a, a, a poll of soldiers in Iraq in January 2005 that the Pentagon did not challenge, in terms of its results, and over 70% of the soldiers thought we should get out of there in 6 to 12 months, including about 51% of the Marines. Uh, so when they're actually polled and they're given the privacy of their 
uh, poll responses. Uh, the soldiers over there were just uh, ordered over there. They're doing their job. That's how they'd make their livelihood. Uh, but uh, they had no uh, uh, no illusions uh, about being there for freedom, protecting us, etc. The second thing is, you're right. The uh, the Obama and Bush administrations were p- participated, uh, Bush chiefly, in, in blowing Iraq apart. They destroyed this country. Uh, it is in a total wreck uh, by siding with one sectarian group against another. Now we have these explosions almost every day, 30 killed, 50 killed here, there, uh, fights between Sunni and Shiites. They never fought under the, under Saddam's d- dictatorship until the Shiites revolted at the end. Uh, but, you know, infant mortality staggering, uh, depleted uranium, uh, contamination of drinking water, uh, basic uh, food supplies and, and other necessities of life uh, short, a few uh, making a lot of money off the government contracts, both uh, U.S. and Iraqi, and uh, the emergence of a, uh, a clear dictatorial trend uh, in terms of the Iraqi regime, which we installed in, in uh, Baghdad. And this is what we got for a trillion dollars of your tax money that could have been spent rebuilding America's schools and libraries and drinking water systems and roads and bridges and public transit. And uh, 5,000 uh, lost soldiers and over 100,000 injuries. The Pentagon lowballs the injuries. Uh, we've challenged them on that. And uh, millions of American families uh, broken up, anguish, fear, divorces, domestic abuse from the soldiers coming back, traumatized, post-traumatic syndrome, read about it all the time in the papers around the country. And uh, what does Obama do? He, in the State of the Union, he treats the departure of the U.S. soldiers, many of them just in nearby Kuwait, hardly coming home, uh, departures of nearby soldiers as mission accomplished, victory, and departure with honor. Nobody would laugh at that more than an Iraq war veteran because they saw the truth. They saw the, the corporate contractors like KBR uh, putting all this waste in pits, which they burned, and soldiers got sick, and soldiers got different kinds of cancers. Uh, and uh, it was a one-day story in the New York Times, uh, whatever. So we, we describe a lot of this in my new book, uh, Gary, Getting Steam to Overcome Corporatism build it together to win, and it has 200 short descriptions of corporate abuses of the American people as consumers and patients and taxpayers and eaters and breathers and drinkers of water. And uh, all these uh, reports actually come from mainstream media, the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Washington Post. And so I'm asking the reader who gets this book to give, the, give himself and herself a test. See if they can go through these fast-paced, documented uh, corporate crimes and abuses and frauds on their own pocketbook and jeopardizing their own health and safety, uh, housing foreclosure rackets, and so forth. And by the time they finish, at around uh, 190 pages, see if they're willing to join together with a million Americans 
and um, start Congress watch groups in every congressional district with their volunteer hours and funding four full-time champions in every congressional district uh, by about 2,000 people. And you would change Congress so it becomes a representative of the people instead of the corporations. And they would hold these corporations accountable because Congress is the easiest entry into recovering our country's presumed level of fairness and justice. It's the most powerful branch. It's made up of 535 men and women who put their shoes on every day, like we do, senators and representatives. And right now, they don't have to worry about much going on back home uh, to uh, watchdog them. Uh, They just worry about how many fundraising parties these corporations and their PACs are going to provide them here in Washington for their reelection. And so this book is an action book. It's an action strategy. Uh, You can get it uh, online, obviously, or you can contact us at csrl.org. You can get it directly, and you can get more detail about what this pledge is involved. It's very, uh, very astutely done so that people pledge, but the pledge is not fulfilled until a certain number of other people in America pledge to join with you in these congressional watchdog groups. So it's csrl.org. Uh, it's a paperback. It's not that expensive. Getting, and you can get getting, it directly. getting steamed over corporate corporatism. I just have one final uh, uh, question for you. I know you're on a tight schedule, and I won't keep you after this, but I feel this is very important. Um, I voted for you uh, each time you ran. And when Democrats and my liberal friends would say, you're wasting a vote, you got to get the other people in office, I said, no. I said, if Ralph Nader's voted into office, we have a chance then not to go to war, to rebuild our cities. And I went through all the things I knew that would happen, or at least be advocated by a firm belief in not the compromises, and they refused. And I said, well, then look at it this way. Wouldn't it be better to vote for someone who may not win in this election at this time, but establishes a platform that we can build on and expand and work with coalitions who themselves are disempowered, like the Green Party and others? And so one day you represent a strong, viable third-party option because people have had four years or longer to understand through articles or speeches what's really wrong. I said, if you cut Nader off now, which, by the way, this is a personal side, I, I, but I, I was, I've let my feelings be known about how Bill Maher and, uh, and Michael Moore treated you when they got down and pleaded with you to get out of the, the race. I, I was embarrassed. I, I've made, I've, and I ask, what exactly have those two done in creating laws that have made it a better world? In any case, that's my own. I would never have uh, tolerated that. Uh, any uh, that just burns me every time I think of what they did. In any case, you were willing to create partnerships with those who were willing to go forward for the common person today. Are you willing to look out for all the other people, even having discussions with Ron Paul or others that where you can find some things to share in common and work off what you can agree upon so that in the next election cycle, we will have a viable third party from multiple dis- different uh, groups of people picking up on the 41% of Americans who are independent and uh, who are 
split now are positive about progressive, where only 48% are for liberal and less for Demo- uh, less for Republican, where you have a massive amount of people wanting leadership guidance and people who have the maturity and insight to help guide us in the future, which you uniquely have and others have working together. Your thoughts, please. Well, you make a very good point, because... If you keep saying, well, we're not going to vote for this person because even though we believe in him, uh, he doesn't have a chance to win, you don't give any movement a chance to grow. Uh, and uh, the way our two-party system is rigged, uh, no challenger, unless you know they're multi-billionaires, has got a, has got a chance on the first round. The first round is to build. The second round is to build further. So if you don't vote for someone you believe in, who are you going to vote for? Uh, and, and you're going to get what? You vote for. And if you don't tell the two parties that you've got somewhere to go and you can vote for another candidate, why should the two parties give you the time of day? Why should they even be concerned about you? Because if you're a liberal progressive, Obama says, well, they're going nowhere, so I don't even have to look back at them. I got them in my pocket. It's the old saying that if you signal to a politician that you as a voter can be taken for granted, you will be taken. That's an axiom. You will be taken. Uh, I always willing to work. Uh, Ron Paul is very good on the military budget. He's, he's good on criticizing the Patriot Act. He's opposed to corporate bailouts and subsidies. Uh, he's opposed to empire, going anywhere in the world, violating international laws, and, and uh, uh, producing a lot of civilian casualties. Uh, so he's a fresh voice on those debates in the, in the Republican uh, uh, primary. And you've got somebody coming on who's a terrific uh, Rocky leader. Anderson. Rocky Anderson, double two-time mayor of Salt Lake City. Uh, it's a very conservative state, and he was a very conser- uh, progressive candidate. He didn't uh, uh, turn tail, and now he's running for president on uh, the Justice Party. And I'm glad you're having him on, Gary. Well, I... Uh, now, let me just say before we close, uh, in case people didn't get it, the, the website to get this book, Getting Steam to Overcome Corporatism, Build It Together to Win, the, the, uh, the uh, website is csrl, csrl.org. And you also see the nature of the pledge and how you can get involved and connect with a million other Americans to turn Congress around, and that's the way to turn these corporations around. Thank you very much, Ralph Nader. Ralph, we are going to do all we humanly can do to bring together the progressive voices as a unified force. You have you have Bernie Sanders out there. You have Dennis Kucinich out there. You do have a few, not a whole lot, but you have some politicians who have yes. not compromised, and get them all together to work together and say, look, let's just work together, and we will make a difference in four years. I'm planning, you know, the Native Americans had a saying, make your decisions for seven generations ahead. I just want us to make decisions for five years ahead, because I believe we're going to be facing some very difficult challenges. I believe what's happening in Europe is going to come here, and I believe that greed will continue, power will continue to um, uh, to control uh, most of our decisions and our erosion of our rights. So we will be there with voices, yours at the top, guiding. So thank you very much, Ralph. Thank you, Gary. Thank you for your work, your interviews, your films, and your wonderful audience.